Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to Mariella Meets. I'm Mariella Frostrup, and each week I'll be bringing you a selection of the best interviews from our favorite guests. Movers and shakers from the worlds of art and entertainment, politics, business, music, and wider society. The Duchess of York, Sarah Ferguson, has worn many hats, from member of the royal family to philanthropist to children's author to businesswoman. And now, in her 60s, she's embarked on another first, a novel. Her Heart for a Compass is her first work for adults and is based on the Duchess's own history. It tells a fictional account of the life of the Duchess's great-great-aunt, Lady Margaret Montague Douglas Scott. I spoke with her earlier and discussed a range of issues, from her new career as a novelist to the impact of the case brought on her ex-husband, Prince Andrew, and why family is everything to her. She's just returned from Croatia, visiting Ukrainian refugees, having worked extensively in the refugee sector, so I started off though by asking her thoughts on the government's Rwanda asylum scheme and whether she agrees with the Church of England that the scheme is immoral. Well that's very interesting Mariana and uh, I tend as you know to remain deeply apolitical uh, because it otherwise it gets me into big big trouble. Uh, However I have been to Rwanda and I in, in fact my my godson uh, built the cricket stadium there and I had the best time there. I, I think the Rwandan people are so welcoming and full of hospitality. And I, 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 just, I, I just feel strongly uh, if I was in a position where I was displaced, of which what, 85.7 million people last year displaced, I, 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 I honestly, I don't know if I can even begin to answer you uh, because I would not have not really any understanding of what the incredible adjustment disorder they must be going through and how it's not just the uh, Ukrainian refugees, it's any refugee. And are they being listened to is my, is my point and mm. how I would answer that. Who is actually listening with understanding? Unless you've been a refugee yourself, how can you possibly know? So it- I, I feel really strongly my answer has to be uh, more are you sure, everybody, that you have listened to the needs of the person that is displaced? 
it sounds to me like like your heart is with the church, but I won't press you any further on no, it. No, no, what? No, Mariello, you must because what do you mean by that? Well, I, you... I, I mean that that you're saying that people haven't haven't listened to the voices of the displaced and the desperate no, I'm these asking, refugees. I'm, I'm asking you whether they have been listened to. I just hope they have. I didn't say they hadn't been because I wouldn't know. I really don't know because I'm not there. But you I do spend to, I, a lot of your time listening to refugees yes, and, and hearing them tell their stories. And, yes, I do. And I guess, um, I guess that's why I'm asking you the question, whether or not you think that having travelled all this way across the globe, many of them, um, you feel that what they should be met with is a flight to a country, albeit a lovely one, as you've described Rwanda. Uh, now it is yes, but the genocide was terrible, uh, and 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 that, that I mean just unbelievable. And what they've how they've pulled themselves back from such a terrible situation is hope for many countries that have gone through such turmoil. And I think that's what we have is hope. And I I don't think Mariana, I'm not on any sides because I don't take sides. I I just want to make sure that. Uh, people are not judged and we have a right to to live this life with that sense of of uh, respect by respecting each person's point of view and being listened to and I'm hoping in answer to your question that everyone has had their voice and they are not silent whispers and they have been listened to that's what I'm I'm hoping. What, what sparked your interest in, in refugees? Because I know that quite recently you've you've travelled to Poland. Uh, you've just come back from Croatia, I think this morning or yesterday, talking to Ukrainian refugees. Uh, why are you passionate about that particular issue? The most important thing, Mariella, is I. Uh, my grandmother said, when you feel bad about yourself, you give to others. And I started um, in 1991 when I saw the war in Croatia and I was voted the number one uh, refugee camp or very number one, 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 number two, you know, who's counting, but in Croatia in 1993. And I thought to myself, if I had been displaced and I was in a war zone, I was running for my life and I was a woman, what would I want in the refugee camp? I would want personal personal hygiene products i would want uh, it was at the time of doc martens and blue jeans i would want um dentistry so that your gums don't get infected i would want um i would want to get the north of england to to bring uh to go to the farm and take uh, machines because there's no electricity to make candles so that you could burn a candle for 36 hours and i asked the country of england to of Great Britain to send in all their candles. So we used the wax to send out there. So this Tasovchichi camp in 93 was a place where all the refugees didn't want to leave because they'd built their plots of land because they sent seeds in to grow vegetables. So I, I really thought about uh, what I would wish for and I tried to give it to, to someone. And from then on, I have always been uh, doing that. Is It's not about the fish, it's about the rod. You give people respect you know coming just come back from Vukovar in Croatia which was completely destroyed uh by 91 in the homeland war and then nothing was there except there was this little girl age four and she had a blue coat on it's an iconic photograph I can send it to you and it's uh she's she's unbelievable Zelka and uh she's now a mother and she and it's the iconic photograph of that war I went to meet her in Vukovar and I met her daughter now who wears the blue coat um as she did and i said i tell you what we're gonna do 
you. Let's um, start a memorial to the people that were displaced in 1991 that have now rebuilt Vukovar, uh, because that will be a symbol for hope for any refugee anywhere in the world, that they can see that it is possible to rebuild. And I know my friend Olga from Ukraine said, I'm not leaving Warsaw. I don't want to be, I don't want to go anywhere. I want to go back to Ukraine. So does that answer your question, really, your first question? Because I think most, uh, any of the refugees I've ever met, they, all they want to do is go home and rebuild and back to their, their roots of their own land. And of course, the Ukrainian route is the sunflower. So I've always been, and you know this as well, Mariela, so does your husband. I've always been absolutely on the on the side of fighting for the the, the voice of silent whispers. You certainly have answered my question. Um, so let's move on. Let's reward you by moving on and, and talking about you. This is your debut novel for adults. So tell me a little bit about the person it's based on, uh, Lady Margaret Montague Douglas Scott, and what it was that, that, that drew you to her story and why you decided to write a book for adults. Yes, I, I've, um, I think it's pretty great, Mariella, at 62 to be a deb- debut novelist. <laughs> I realise that I'm still alive and I'm mentally now having been through enormous mental problems myself and eating disorders and God knows what. I, I've decided that it was it was time to, to do what I've always wanted to do, which was to write a um, historical romance. I, I sort of also wanted to know how I've survived and is it in my DNA? So I researched back to the 15th century and I found so many redheaded women in my in my line, in my DNA. And uh, most of them are called Margaret, which I think is quite extraordinary. My middle name's Margaret. So I called her Lady Margaret Montague Douglas Montague Scott because that's my grandmother, who's Marion. Uh, and then when I did research it even more, Margaret uh, Montague Douglas Scott married Donald Cameron. So what you're reading in this book, Her Heart for Compass, uh, is just uh, really very true to life. This I then took Lady Margaret, Lady Margaret's uh, voice from the grave because all her brothers were written about, but she wasn't because she was a woman in 1870. Mm-mm-mm. Well, still mm-hmm. now even. <laughs> uh-uh. Favorite subject. And uh, and of course, um, I brought her to life from my own experiences and experimenting with my own uh, pushes against the boundaries of establishment and boundaries of rules, um, if there are any. And uh, so the book is a very um, strong read about a, a passionate, redheaded woman that uh, tries to find her compass in life through her own heart, which is, of course, the author who you're talking to right now and I'm really interested in that as you say 62 years old congratulations as your debutante um uh, we have a feature on this program called first edition every Monday where we where we talk to debut novelists about their books and we have had some who were who are mature uh, but obviously not as many as the young ones um and what we often find is that their first novel is very much rooted in their own lives and experience no matter where it's set or how different it might appear superficially and I wondered what the themes of your own life that you are exploring here are and why you wanted to kind of look look into them i find to be i'm a great supporter of the lgbtq plus group and and i've been presenting a a few awards recently uh to um these extraordinary people that are, are really brave to be what who they are and and to speak their truths and i have always been 
some people call me flamboyant or eccentric or some people I don't know what it many I've always got oh there's Fergie you know it's like Marmite some people like you and some people don't and uh, I think when you are redheaded and I'm very red I'm still very red you know and here's my long hair and she's waving a ponytail at me listeners <laughs> I know and also Mary, can I say it's a very perky ponytail yes you're just showing off that you've got loads of gorgeous hair flame-haired heroine as you describe uh, Lady yeah. Margaret thank you thank you thank you Marilyn now just going back to that so I feel really strongly uh, that um can't remember my point now because I've got onto my hair but anyway, the good news is, is that uh, I think it's great to start a new career. I think it's very exciting. And uh, we were talking more- about the themes in the book that Thank resonated you. with you and and your own life, because, I mean, if, if I can I kind of encompass it, we have a, a red haired heroine who goes against convention, uh, goes into exile because she won't compromise on her principles and then starts helping the poor and writing children's stories. Thank you. I mean, it okay, could so, almost be, dare I say, your autobiography. Yes, I think it could be. I think it could be, but it's not because I've already written two of those. But uh, <laughs> it is very much, it is a very strong uh, sense of my experiences. So, yes, um, I, I've i had a few very healthy front pages where they've asked me to leave the country. Uh, yes, I have um, very unhealthy being sarcastic listener sorry um don't worry we've got clever listeners they'll get that yeah (laughs) but the other thing is mariella is that it's it's really strong that the princess louise was queen victoria's daughter and i had a great relationship with diana as you know so there's that sort of sense of solidarity between lady margaret and lady louis um princess louise then you have me going to uh scotland where she's been uh, and then you have me going to Ireland, uh, in, of course, to my other grandmother in Powerscourt, which is uh, the most beautiful gardens in, in Ireland. And uh, Powerscourt gives me great strength for me being being Irish as well. And I love it there in Powerscourt. So Lady Margaret goes to Powerscourt and that's my maternal grandmother's house, was, was my maternal grandmother's house. And uh, then you get her going from Dublin, of course, across um, to New York, which uh, in 1995, the the American people really gave me my life. And I went to work for charity there, started a foundation there. I worked for Weight Watchers. I took Weight Watchers from around about 6 million members to 32 million members. I'd worked for 12 years, two cities a day. And I really built up my life in America. And that is very much in the book. You can see I'm talking about giving uh, and work setting up a charity and writing children's books. And Lady Margaret does that in the book. Then, of course, coming back. And um, and so, yes, I'm very excited that uh, the reader, every single line is very strong. And I'm a, I, I think I the way I write is I visualise it and then I write it. So I you talked all the way through this programme about only having the authenticity of truth in in being who you are and... Uh, when and I was telling you about when I made that speech to the LGBTQ class, I stood on stage and I said it's really the first time in my life I've not been judged, and it's pretty extraordinary to say that. So yes, I've finished book two as well now. That should be out in February of 2023, and I'm writing book three now, so that will be 2024. So this is a new career, and I and I'm really proud. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. 
Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Have to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I want to ask you, because I think that one of the things that's absolutely extraordinary about you is, is your resilience. I mean, you've talked there about front pages uh, telling you to leave the country. You talked about 1995 and, and literally fleeing to America because of you know, what you were experiencing here in terms of co- public comment and, and, and so on. What what makes you strong enough to, to, to deal with all of that? And do you think that, you know, it's been particularly ferocious for you, as it was with your friend Diana, as you just mentioned, because of the fact that, that, that you were women and you were women in the, in, in the royal family, and that seems to be a sort of, you know, open season, free for all, to judge you? You, you know... Sometimes I love the Oscar Wilde um, quote, which I'm not going to do it justice, Marilla, but we can I can find it. But it, it's something about um, the stars look very good from the gutter. And it's a question of just looking up, getting on and looking up. And I often um, think that also also Martin Luther King Jr., when he wrote about the inaudible language of the heart, uh, for some extraordinary reason, I, I, I don't know whether it's resilience or what it is. I just believe in joy. I believe in life. And I believe that we all go through extraordinary obstacles and some handle them better than others. And I could have, the Shawshank Redemption, Morgan Freeman springs to mind. Would you go back to the, the little boy who did the crime? And does that mean I should go free? And I'm wondering if I could go back. Yes, I would learn from a very much more... I'm still childlike, but much more of a, a sound place. I perhaps, you know, would have made some changes. And so I think it's very interesting to to keep going. But you don't come from a place of keep going. You start to look at life very differently. And I think that is the secret of why I'm I'm here today. I, I literally can tell you, Frank McCourt was right when he wrote Angela's Ashes and I interviewed him. He said, the trees don't turn to seasons, they turn to colours and see life with colour. What would you do differently? Would you still marry your prince? Oh, yes. He's, uh, he's a very good, uh, he's a very good and kind man. He's, he's a good man. And it was an exceptional day, the 23rd of July, 1986. And, uh, and it was just extraordinary. I think my life is an amazing life. I think I've been very lucky and I am now just beginning my life again. And I I think it's pretty cool to be able to say that. I think it's very cool as a woman to be able to say that. I also think it's very cool. Um, you know, there are all kinds of things that, that we could talk about and don't need to go into. But um, in terms of your relationship with Prince Andrew, the fact that you've clearly stayed the absolute best of friends 
uh, through thick and thin, through some pretty extraordinary times most recently in particular. And you even share a house. How do you do that? There must be so many people out there who've had acrimonious divorces and, and would quite like to emulate um, what you've managed to achieve. I spend so much time uh, out of the country um, doing my philanthropic work that uh, when I do come back in, I don't, I'm, I'm. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Very lucky to be able to stay here. It, it would be very wrong if I said it was my home. Uh, it's a place where... Uh, we are a united front with the with the girls. It's it's their home, and now my grandchildren come here. And I have always believed that communication, comp- compromise, and compassion. I've always believed it. I have great faith. I believe in. If you clean your side of the street, if you look at your mirror and you are clear and concise and you know in your te- integrity that you have done the best job and the best heart with the greatest of intentions then you hold that line what anyone else does that's their situation and they have to clean their own side of the street and uh you know i will stand very firmly by um andrew's a very good and kind man and i and 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 that's what i believe mm. uh we are divorced and I do spend, as I think it's very important, Mariella, that people realise that I, I don't spend long here in England because I, I don't I don't wish to. I much prefer being out, you know, I've built 156 schools in Africa and in Poland and, you know, and I, I just want to keep going doing my philanthropy work. You and your girls have lived through, uh, and Prince Andrew, have lived through pretty tumultuous times. And as I said, you know, I have to touch on on what's happened recently. And I wondered, you know, how you've managed to protect. I mean, you seem to have two extremely functional young women that you've raised. Uh, Both of them have had babies, so you're now grandma twice over. And, you know, what's happened recently with Prince Andrew and all the scandal to do with Jeffrey Epstein and everything must have been one of the hardest passages how do you navigate it? I, I think the most important thing is that, of course, um, you're asking me um, to talk personally um, from my own uh, belief structure, because I, of course, as you know, um, won't be able to talk in any way about Prince Andrew, but uh, because of legals. But I can talk about m- myself and uh, I can say that I have done probably one of the greatest things of my life, being a mother. And 
a very good mother. And the reason why is because I was abandoned by my mother at the age of 11. And every time I look at my girls, I realize what the secret to good mothering is. Show up. That's it. Show up and listen. You turn the telephone off, you shut the door, turn the, tele- you know, turn the television off and you say, are you okay? Is it me? Have I annoyed you? Is it what's gone on? You know, and you really take away the fear factor because you're so present with them. And and I believe that's the secret. That's how I've managed the girls. I mean, how they've coped. I Honestly, I take my hat off to them. But I think it's because the three of us, Beatrice, Eugenie and I, we're called the tripod and we stay firm to speaking your truth. So we speak our truths to each other. And by doing it, you clean exactly what I just said through this program is you look in the mirror and you clean your side of the street. Once you've done that, then anyone else has a problem and it's their problem. But it's hard. But I believe I've done a very good job. They've got great husbands who are my delicious son-in-laws who are so good looking. And they have, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> and then I and Sienna and August are incredible. And usually now living in Portugal helps because I can spend so much time over there and being a grandmother and writing my books from their guest room. So yes, that sounds extremely pleasant. Um, Hello. Exactly. Make a career, make a career that can travel. Hello. Sarah, you were talking there about the, 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 the core to being a good mother and it being about turning up and about the fact that, that your mother uh, abandoned you when you were uh, 11 years old. I wonder how much of the, the things that you've spoken publicly about before in terms of mental health and, and eating disorders and things, how, how much of that do you think stems back to that and how much of it is related to your later experiences being the absolute focus of Britain's tabloid press? There is no question about it that I'm very grateful that I did in a way that mum did go. So I've done, I've been doing the work and I've been really talking to some really extraordinary people about how you come to terms with self-sabotage and that little voice that says you can never do it and the dark side, which, which I've fallen into so many times. And that, of course, at the age of 11 was when I kicked in with eating and then Fat Frumpy per- Fergie was the front pages. You know, it, you, I definitely am very grateful for those experiences because it, it's made me question and understand so much about mental health. And I, that's why I've just finished a young adult book as well, because I've been talking very openly about eating disorders and how I, I chose food as my best friend and I, I chose comfort from food. And of course, I had it the wrong way around, didn't I? You know, the, my life was about food and not my life. And now my life is life and food is in the right place. And uh, But it's so easy to get um, addicted, really. I was addicted to food as my only source of healing and, and comfort. And, and so, yes, it's been an extraordinary journey. For anyone who's listening, I, I feel it's really important that you... You look in that mirror and you really are open and honest with yourself and you forgive yourself because that was yesterday. And you've got to get up and you've got to keep going because you've got to inspire and you've got to put yourself in someone else's shoes. And that helps too. When did you realize you had the capacity to do that? Because I think that that is your kind of superpower in a way that you do forgive yourself and and move on. And, And I think, you know, looking at your 
incredibly long CV and all of the things that you've done, you know, in the last 30, 35 years. Um, you know, it shows remarkable energy. But I go back to the word resilience again, you know. When were you at your lowest ebb and how did you talk yourself up from it? I I want to also say one thing about that. Do you realise that we're talking uh, about the situation that I would like everybody in the world to know about, which is which is uh, this new idea I've got about bringing play in a box to refugees or anyone in the world that needs this uh, extraordinary, uh, my invention, which is a box arrives and out of it comes a rucksack and the rucksack has got a child's world in it for that particular time. And it's called Little Red's Play in the Box. And I've partnered with the UNHCR, European Bank of Development and uh, with Montessori schools. So we Montessori schools and I are bringing out play in a box globally. I honestly... Um, I'm very, very grateful to the fact that people read about me, even if it's bad Fergie or good Fergie, but mostly bad Fergie. They're at least, least people are reading about what I want to try and achieve, and they or they want to go out and buy the book. So you can't always have it your own way. I've always said this: you can't go and watch a concert and go backstage and then not do the work. You know, if you're on the public platform, I believe that you do the work, you stand up stand tall and inspire people to want to to have hope and i have been at my darkest moment uh, on march uh, in march 2010 and I, I, honestly no it was may may 2010 and um i took myself off for six weeks and i went to work i went to work on my mental health i put myself uh in a quiet place for two months i had to really drill into why I was this road of self-sabotage to the point of uh, the the to, to really take Sarah and not why did you do why why do you do things why did you do it and then once I started to really question my inability of listening to the instinct of myself then I realized that I hadn't really talked to myself I had didn't really know who Sarah was ending just finally, um, you shared a, a, it's just been the Platinum Jubilee, obviously, and you shared a childhood picture of the Queen on your Instagram to mark the, the milestone and you praised her selflessness and her steadfastness. Um, how much have you looked up to her over the decades? Oh, Mariella, I think she's just, uh, Her Majesty's just the most, I absolutely adore her more than, more than any single person I've ever met in my entire life and she's been more of a mother to me than my own mother and how, how extraordinary she's been a grandmother great-grandmother and how lucky am I to even answer that question from a personal point of view I am deeply deeply committed and I think that that's probably one of the reasons main reasons really that I am so supportive of the keeping the York family united for her majesty because I'm so, so inspired by the most iconic, the most iconic, I can't even say a lady, she's just I, I, iconic, sort of that, her superpower of consistentness, consistency, steadfastness and forgiveness and kindness is beyond. And I'm so lucky to answer that.
Thanks for listening to Mariella Meets with me, Mariella Frostrup. There'll be more from the podcast next week, so make sure to download the free Times Radio app to never miss an episode. And don't forget, you can catch the live edition of my programme every Monday to Thursday, 1 till 4, on Times Radio. Catch you next time. Thank you.